Welcome back to the Stacks of Cash podcast. I want to touch on a topic, and and if you selected this episode and you're listening right now, chances are you're in one of two camps. One, you are thinking about hiring an advisor for yourself or your family, or two, you currently have an advisor and you're thinking about changing. Um, Both of those are very important, but before we get to those two questions, there's one important question we got to ask ourselves, and that is... Do you even need an advisor? So, Jay, what are some of the characteristics you see of folks um, when deciding if they need an advisor or not? Yeah, Dave, uh, and and welcome back, everybody. It's good to be with you this afternoon. Um, This is a question, actually, that Dave and I receive pretty often from folks that we interact with, whether they're 401k plan participants or business owners that we work with or existing clients or people that we're interviewing to become clients, and that is, you know, uh, do, do I need a financial advisor? And um, kind of the, the way we look at does a person need a financial advisor, it really comes down to the complexity of their situation and, and whether or not we would be in a position to be able to help that person given their financial position. So, so chances are you need an advisor if you're in one of these three or four areas. The first one would be you're, you're, you're making a bunch of money now or you're expected to begin making a bunch of money in the near future. That could be an inheritance or, or any, any uh, fact that changes your current circumstance. Yeah, if you're expected to receive an inheritance, of course, mm-hmm. would be one. Uh, or, and, and we've seen this happen, where we've got a, a, a client or a prospect who has – somehow or another accumulated a lot of money because they're just really good savers. They've got good habits. They've mm-hmm. accumulated a lot of money. And one day they wake up and they're like, I need some help right. with this I, because I really don't know exactly what I'm doing. So so if that resonates with you, uh, then, then chances are if you don't already have an advisor, then, then you probably ought to be thinking about getting one. Mm-hmm. And so when we get this question about, well, what should we look for in hiring an advisor? We thought it might be of value to our, to our listeners to spend a little bit of time on that topic. And, and what should you be looking for? Well, there's a, there's a multitude of things that you should be looking for when you're picking an advisor. Um, you know, it, picking an advisor um, is such an important decision because, you know, that's going to be your, I like to call him your wingman, uh, that's going to take you through retirement in the years where you're not earning income. Um, and it's going to make it last throughout your lifetime. So that really is your wingman. And uh, there are many different things that uh, we're going to touch on. And the, I think the first one is crucially important. And you want to get an advisor who's empathetic to you, who can really put themselves in your shoes, listen to what you have to say, and understand basically the root causes of the pain you're feeling and 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 the goals that you're trying to achieve. And, and, and that's a hard skill to, ha- uh, to, to possess, quite frankly. Wait, 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 Dave. Dave. So, so you're telling me that empathy is the first characteristic, not track record? No, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Wow, okay. Does I, that I, surprise you? Well, you know, you know what? No, it doesn't. And I'll tell you, it's a little bit of a trick question. Uh, Here's why. Because the one of the top, if it's not the number one, it's like top two or three traits 
of the most successful advisors that are, that are out there. It is that they exhibit a high level of empathy. And when you think about empathy and what empathy really is, it is the ability to listen to the other person very intently and to understand what their pain point is in a manner that the advisor can really understand and get in that moment. And, and so the things that drive empathy that, that, that would be the, 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 the things, the bright lights that would say, yes, this person would be empathetic. I mean, we intuitively, mm-hmm. I think we know that, but the ability to listen and the ability to ask good questions right, really exhibit, in, in our view, what is probably one of the most important traits you'd be looking for. Well, if somebody has a concern or a, a view on investments or a, a goal, it's very important to discover really what is behind that thought process. Why do they think that way? It could be something from their childhood. You definitely see this with married couples who you have two people who grew up likely in two different households that have different views on money. And in to getting to the bottom of each person's uh, deep root causes of their, their thought process is crucial in this process. So if, if we were walking into a brand new situation and the, and the feedback that we receive from some of our more recent uh, clients is the ability to listen to both parties. So mm-hmm. we, we, we generally, when we meet with someone, the both, both parties are there. And, 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 and one of the ways in which we exhibit empathy uh, for these clients is to ensure that we listen to both people Equally, e- even if one person's a loudmouth and they're taking over the conversation, <laughs> right? Oh, it, it, it's amazing that we're we have to say this in the year of our Lord, twenty twenty one, that you know you'll find advisors that don't even speak to the the woman. I yeah. can't comprehend that I mean, because they're the most insightful of all of us. They control all the money, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, and so that I think that's where you get into a team approach. It's not just the person who's talking the most that you listen to, it's the other spouse, it is the advisor, all working together. And you like to, you're a big golf fan, aren't you? Yeah. What's the analogy you like to use as how the relationship will be? So so as it relates to, this analogy, by the way, relates to so many things, David. Whether it's a physical trainer, whether it's a a physician, Mm -hmm. okay, your primary Yeah, that's a very good point, yeah whether it is your uh, financial advisor, I relate it to the golfer and the caddy. Mm -hmm. You know, golfers that play on the PGA Tour that are extremely successful, their caddies are extraordinarily good golfers. Oh, yeah. Really, really good golfers. But the thing is, is that the caddies are there to be a sounding board, to have all the technical aspects of what are going on on the course, Mm -hmm. and to guide – the golfer, so that that, that 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 man or woman can hit the perfect shot. And, and, and when they're doing that, they're instilling confidence mm-hmm. in, their, in their partner. Absolutely. Not only are, is the caddy a great golfer as well, but they know the strengths, the weaknesses, and the goals of the golfer, and they're trying to get the most out of that person. And that's the relationship between an advisor, an ideal relationship, between an advisor 
and a client. Yeah, I mean, so so it's just a quick example. You're never going to see a caddy that's got much of a career say to the golfer, "Hey, man, it's really windy out there. It's 162 yards. Uh, you know, ho- hope hope you make a good shot here. Just don't go left. Good luck. Good luck." There, that's not like the thing you want right. when you're trying to make a million dollar shot. Right. In this situation, with your strengths, we should do X, Y, and Z. And guess what the golfer can do? He can say, I agree, or you know what? I'm not feeling that. I'm going to go a different direction. And that's okay. It's okay. And it's so, so the golfer caddy relationship, if I make that equal to the financial advisor client relationship, is a partnership right. where there is an ongoing back and forth communication. And so the successful advisor relationship that you will find out there will be one where the client is able to communicate effectively to the advisor what their goals are. An effective relationship on the advisor side would be if they're not able to ascertain clearly what the client is saying, that the advisor has the confidence to ask the questions to clarify the goals among both parties, if there are two parties, to get clarity. Because Mm -hmm. that's a critical role that a good advisor is going to do for you is to bring clarity and confidence so that everyone's on the same page. We're all working from the same direction. That's a key strength. And again, that comes back to communication, which comes back to empathy. Right. And in the end result, what you want to feel when you leave a meeting or a conversation with an advisor, a good advisor, is peace of mind. I mean, that's why you're hiring this person at the end of the day is to instill confidence in you and to provide peace of mind. You know, it's interesting. We have a, a really great client that's been with us for you know, the better part of 10 years now. And uh this this individual he he he's told me many times he said uh, you know what what you you really are in the business of selling peace of mind mm. and and I think that that's true I really do because you know the 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 nuts and bolts of investing and we're going to talk about that a little bit that's just the basic price of admission is being able to provide good investment advice um, but but in this particular instance for example you know the peace of mind thing David. Mm-hmm. And the, and the empathy and understanding what their goals and objectives are and, and being a good caddy. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I don't want to ask my golfer to go hit a 350-yard drive if he if he only can hit a 325-yard drive. Mm-hmm. I mean, why, why, why ask them to do something they're not right. capable of doing? So the, the job here is to make sure that it's married up and that we're working together within the constraints of this person. So the example I would provide, the drive, the distance on a drive, would be risk tolerance. Right. Okay. So if, if, if risk tolerance, like super risky, is a 350-yard drive and super conservative is what I'm capable of hitting is mm-hmm. a 300-yard drive, mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit there and tell my client, <laughs> hey, go hit the 350-yard drive if they're only comfortable with 300. Right? Of course. So, so that relationship is real important. So we have this one client who – he, he has a pension, he has Social Security, he has income distributions coming off of his money. He also is sitting on a lot of cash. And every once in a while, this person will call me up and be like, hey, I've got all this cash. You know, should I deploy this cash? And I'm like, well, Johnny, you know, it depends. We've talked many times about how you have enough money coming in for your standard of living. Do you need to take more risk mm-hmm. or not? 
Right. When a key criteria is you want to be able to sleep well at night. Exactly. Exactly. So understanding like what are the hot buttons for the client and what their primary objective, this guy's primary objective is sleep well at night. Well, and you know, when you meet with a client and then they'll go and watch the news, you know, see all the returns, you know, see what's out there. And then they lose focus on what their goals are and having somebody like a caddy there to say, Hey, this is our goal. Remember, did our goal change? No, it hasn't. Okay. Then we don't need to take on more risk. So, so getting into more of the nuts and bolts, we've, we've spent a lot of time on what I would call a very much a, a soft skill, but a very critically important one. Yeah. What, what would be Dave, a couple of the other things that would be maybe just sort of out front type items that someone ought to be looking for. Yeah. And and, uh, there's a couple things that come to mind right away. And these are normally the first thing that people think of when they're trying to hire an advisor. And and one of them is a buzzword in our industry. And that's the word fiduciary. Um, I'm not sure if the listeners know what a fiduciary means, but it's really quite simple. Um, A fiduciary is somebody who acts in your best interests, not the best interests of themselves. So when you're hiring an advisor, um, you should ask that question. Hey, Mr. Advisor, are you going to be, do you act as a fiduciary? And that just means they put your interests ahead of their own. And that's crucial. You mean not all advisors put their interests in front of the believe the it client's or, interests in front believe of Believe it or not, no. Interesting. At all. Well, you know, I think that kind of is a little bit of a, a lead in to uh, why certified financial planners mm-hmm. uh are sort of a, in our view, a minimum requirement because people who've gone through the, the exercise of learning the financial planning skill set, right, and all the myriad things that are involved in that, one of the things that they agree to at the outset when they become a member of the CFP group, the board, you are acting as a fiduciary. I mean, right. it's a really, really big deal. It's a kind of a big, you know, it's a word that you've heard of before, but. A lot of people don't really know exactly what that means, but fiduciaries just—they're operating in your best interest. And 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 so let me ask you the, this question: If someone's a fiduciary, and uh, and they start off with product, mm-hmm. <laughs> commission-based product, uh, right? That would be a red flag. I wouldn't say it's a deal killer. But it is a red flag because they're not taking the steps to understand your goals, um, your thoughts, your feelings, um, and, and provide a solution that's best for you. They're leading with product. Um, and, and you have to really go back to how our, Jay, our industry was started, and that was all via commissions. You know, it was all, they were brokeraging, uh, brokering deals, you know, yeah. buy one stock, sell another one. And they worked under what was called the suitability um, mantra. So the, just their advice just had to be suitable. It didn't have to be in the best interest. It's it just suitable. Had to be suitable. It just had to be suitable. So, so when you when you talk about commissions, so so one of the things that would be a, again a red flag. What David and I were just talking about is um, if someone leads with a variable annuity or they lead with a permanent like mm-hmm. a whole life insurance product or a universal life insurance product, if that's the lead, mm-hmm. if, the, if the central part of the conversation is around a product that they're receiving a commission to sell, 
Right. You know, we're not saying that's like there there are no good advisors in that capacity. We're just saying it's a bit of a red flag because it's a, it's very difficult to place yourself in the best interest of the client when the way you're getting paid is to place a product mm-hmm. that generates a commission. Exactly. So that that would be exactly. a, that would be a red flag. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know with, with with the fiduciary and the and the products and all that. I mean, the, the even the credentials. There's so many credentials um, that are out there. It's alphabet soup. Um, but really, I think the 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 beacon uh, credential in our industry is a certified financial planning. It, it just it just is a really good, tough course to get through. Yeah, I, I, I was a CPA in my prior life, and I will tell you the CFP exam and preparation is every bit as challenging as the CPA mm-hmm. exam and preparation. And so, it, you know, having dedicated oneself to learning the material, mastering the material, getting through an extremely difficult standardized test doesn't ensure that you're going to be a successful advisor, but right. it does it does indicate that you've done what you need to do to gain the real foundation of the material, so that you're able to be technically competent. Right, that's exactly right. And you know, there are certified financial planners that aren't very good, and there are folks who are not certified financial planners that are really good. So that's not an end all be all, but it is. It does show you a commitment to the industry. Well. You know, one of the one of the advantages also on the CFP from a designation perspective is, is that there's a there's a really significant uh, emphasis on transparency. Yeah. And 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 articulating in the arrangement, and, and and you should ask this when you're out and you're interviewing advisors, you you should ask them what is the service delivery agreement going to look like? What are they going to provide to you? for what they're charging you. You have a, a right to know that, and they have an obligation to let you know that. Crucial. So, so transparency is important, Dave. Can you elaborate a little bit more on where there maybe there are things that aren't as transparent in this type of a relationship? Well, yeah, the, the fees is a big part. It, it's okay to ask the question on how much they're going to make on, on, on your case. Um, another thing is the process. You know, you should really... When you're interviewing an advisor, you should ask them about the process in which they go go by to find investments for you. Um, and you know, if they're giving you a, a speech about how they do it, or maybe they don't even do it, maybe they're just a sales guy and they have other people in their office that handle that. Regardless of what that is, they should be able to explain it in a way that you can understand it and comprehend it. Because if you can't understand it, I mean, you don't have to know all the ins and outs, but you should have a good idea how your money, at the end of the day, this is your money. You should know how it's being invested and managed. So one of the key things that, that we would be looking for in that specific regard would be simplicity. Uh, this industry is, is, is well known for being complex and complicated. Uh, we believe in simplicity, and we think that that's an important trait you ought to be asking about to build upon what David's talking about. And I would ask them how frequently they review their investment management process. Do they have a quarterly review process, semi-annual, annual? What what are the tools that they're using mm-hmm. to monitor the investments that they're selecting for their clients? Are they operating on a discretionary basis or non-discretionary? Discretionary meaning 
they make the decisions on what they are going to buy in your account mm-hmm. without speaking to you. Whereas non-discretionary is they come and they speak to you about what it is. That's right. We, we have both types of clients. And for many clients, they want to assign that responsibility to us because we're the ones watching this stuff on a regular basis. But the communicating the changes that are being made That's and important. the way in which the advisor communicates that to the client, we think is very important. And that, again, when you're asking about the investment process and simple versus complex, how are they monitoring it and how are they communicating those changes to you, we think is very important. Uh, very important. So we're, we're, we're going to leave you with a couple red flags. Um, you know, that are, we would think that are disqualifiers when, when interviewing an advisor. And the first one, and we touched on in the beginning, a lack of empathy. Um, if they're not asking good questions, if they're leading with products, your, your antenna should be going up and it should be going up fast. Um, another one is when you ask a question, is their explanation complicated? Is it hard to understand? Do they, are they making you feel dumb? A lot of advisors speak in, in, in jargon to make them seem smart and you seem dumb when that really shouldn't be the case at all. This industry can be difficult, but it's not that difficult to make smart people like you seem dumb. What else do we have, Jay? That- well, I think the, the, another one is is if they're evasive, uh, uh, kind of building on if they're <laughs> not providing clear examples or clear answers. Right. But if they're if they're evasive in their answers – and if they're just not listening, I mean, if, if they're talking more than you're talking, that's a humongous red flag. Huge problem. And and so you ought to really examine that real closely. So, are, you know, are they just a salesperson or mm-hmm. are they really trying to be consultative and, 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 and really being your coach? Yeah. And, and, the, and the last thing, I mean, this is more of a the softer side before we, we wrap up here, but the financial advisor, um, when dealing with a, a married couple, really should be like like a psychologist where you're going and you're discussing matters that are important to you where maybe you both don't have the same ideas, but it should be an exercise where you're getting it out on the table, you're getting some results by an unbiased third party, and when you leave there and you leave their office, you should be feeling pretty good about yourself. Yeah. That's the warm and fuzzies. That's the warm and fuzzies. Yeah, absolutely. We're all about the warm and fuzzies here for sure. So... Listen, everybody, uh, thanks for tuning in this afternoon. Hope this has been helpful. And uh, as we always ask, please make sure to share this podcast with your friends, families, coworkers, if you find it of value. We look forward to being with you next time. Thanks a lot.